Welcome to the Unitarian Universalist Fellowship of McMinnville podcast. Founded in 2007, UUFM is a gathering place for people who embrace a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. We are located in the heart of Oregon's Willamette Valley wine country. Please visit us on the web at macuuf.org, M-A-C-U-U-F dot org, And if you are ever in or near the McMinnville area, don't hesitate to stop by and visit us. UUFM gathers in love and service for justice and peace. Jennifer is a a seminary student at the Star Star King School of Ministry and a published author. And we're delighted to have you here today, Jennifer. Thank you. I am. I'm so glad to be here. I I did want to give one um, one. Uh, warning is that I forgot to lock the kitten in my daughter's bedroom. So if there's a loud crash, we'll just um, hope for the best <laughs> and move on. Um, so happy new year. And this is a, a new year indeed. And it's really my honor to be with you. I'm glad you invited me. Thank you. I love the covenant that your congregation has with one another. And I'm glad that you read it at the start of your service. I'm, I'm especially fond of the phrase, when we fall short, begin again in love and trust, because it threads back to that litany read earlier. And it's also interwoven with those seven principles and the sources of all Unitarian Universalist congregations. And it's, it's good to reconnect with our principles in the new year, I think, to reconnect with who we are as Unitarian Universalists, as well as who you are as a congregation. I've uh, started a practice of hand copying sacred texts. The Buddhist practice of copying um, down those sutras is well known as a way of producing merit. Um, But all religions have this practice of hand copying as a way to really immerse ourselves deeper into understanding. And since our seven principles and sources are in our gray hymnal, I've copied them several times in my practice recently. I know that they're familiar to you, but I thought that I'd read them again here in the new year. So this is how they read. We, the member congregations of the Unitarian Universalist Association, covenant to affirm and promote the inherent worth and dignity of every person justice, equity, and compassion in human relations, acceptance of one another, and encouragement to spiritual growth in our congregations, a free and responsible search for truth and meaning, the right of conscience and the use of the democratic process within our congregations and in society at large, the goal of world community with peace, justice, and liberty for all, and respect for the interdependent web of all existence for which we are a part. Sometimes we're more closely connected with one principle or another during our spiritual lives. And perhaps so many, with so many lives lost in this past year, we've reflected on the inherent worth and dignity of every person. If you participated in or watched the Black Lives Matter protests, you promoted justice in human relations. 
in the grief workshops that I led this fall, acceptance and encouragement to spiritual growth was really important to our small groups. And we're so blessed to live where we do, standing in a dug fir grove or with our feet in the waters of the Oregon coast, we're reminded of our deep respect for the interdependent web of all existence. The affirmation of our principles and sources closes with, here's the quote, grateful for the religious pluralism, which enriches and ennobles our faith, we are inspired to deepen our understanding and expand our vision. As free congregations, we enter into this covenant, promising to one another our mutual trust and support. But what does it mean to enter into these covenants? They are a binding promise, but different than a promise that's made from one person to another. In a covenant, all parties have a responsibility. What is our responsibility to one another? And what action does that responsibility call forth? Stay with me, I'm gonna to try to find my way to an answer, at least just an answer. It won't be the only one. I have a deep longing to be back in the church building. I miss the summer food share table where I volunteered, sorting the donated fruits, vegetables, and flowers. I miss seeing the choir in the downstairs hall, having coffee between services. I miss sitting in that moment of silence after prayer and hearing the rustle of my neighbor's clothes or the sound of a small child questioning their parent, someone clearing their throat. And as we move closer to a hopeful time when we gather in person, I can't help reflect on this concept of covenant that I have with others in my congregation and with all Unitarian Universalists. What responsibility do I have to the mutual trust and support of other congregants? Well, count me in for a ride share and I'll volunteer again for that food table. I'll lead a poetry workshop for sure, and in a pinch, I'll substitute usher. I can walk with you on a march. I can stand by you at a memorial service. Is that what I'm being asked to do? And is that enough? I was brought up in the Episcopal Church in a small town in Virginia, and I participated in pageants, attended Sunday school, and took the Eucharist. Eucharist symbolizing God's covenant of the freedom from sin and an eternal life. Although I didn't know what that covenant truly meant. Actually, I was more interested in coffee hour and all those cookies and running amok with Harvey Allen and Keller Williams. My parents might remember them. Maybe some of you feel that way about coffee hour too. Not running around with Harvey or Keller, but standing up from those hard pews and catching up with friends. So while I might not have understood what God was supposed to have covenanted with me, I had a very personal relationship with the divine as a child. I wrote letters to God and to my parents' surprise, God wrote me back, sent through the US mail. So, okay, it was me playing God, but so many thoughts, suggestions, advice that we shared between us 
I like to think that that was a part, the very start of my pantheistic theology. I considered the divine not to be something outside of me, like my minister or my father, but something already living within me. My first journal was actually a, a God notebook, a continuation of our previous letter writing correspondence. And I was so pleased as a teen to stumble upon the Judy Bloom book. Maybe you know it. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. I thought, see, I'm not so weird. And while I left the Episcopal Church and my identity as a Christian to pursue a more solitary Wicca path, I knew the holiness still resided within me. And in my belief, it resides within everyone and everything. What drew me to Unitarian Universalism is that like that Judy Bloom book, while I didn't have a set religion, I very much had my own spiritual connections. And it felt important to be respected for my own search for truth and meaning, and it still does. I appreciate having the right of my own conscious and I appreciate the importance of using the democratic process in our congregations. Our principles clearly affirm and promote who we are within our religious practices and what we bring to the congregation as individuals. In his sermon, Our Path Forward, the Reverend Bill Singford notices that it is an individual lens that is valued in our principles, pointing specifically to the first, the inherent worth and dignity of every person. He says, this is his quote, that affirmation of our specific particular individual lives is absolutely necessary, but it is not sufficient. He says, individualism cannot be our only value. I believe these congregations are on track with the covenant affirmation to accept responsibility for our words and actions and when we fall short, to begin again in love and trust. Because that affirmation responds to the question about responsibility to one another that I asked earlier. Reverend Sinkford's noticing of how our principles highlight who we UUs are on an individual level paved the way for a discussion of the language of an eighth principle, one that's being considered for adoption by congregations across the country. The eighth principle says, again, we, the member congregations of Unitarian Universalist Association covenant to affirm and promote, journeying towards spiritual wholeness by working to build a diverse, multicultural, beloved community by our actions that accountably dismantle racism and other oppressions in ourselves and our institutions. So let me read that one more time. Journeying towards spiritual wholeness by working to build a diverse, multicultural, beloved community by our actions that accountably dismantle racism and other oppressions in ourselves and our institutions. You can Google that UU eighth principle and read the extensive background. It was um, Paula Cole Jones who recognized that an eighth principle was needed. And she worked with Bruce Pollock Johnson to create it and adopt it within Bruce's Philadelphia congregation. The website states that the eighth principle came from a feeling that we need something to renew our commitment to this work. She was meaning that 
anti-racism work to hold ourselves accountable and to fulfill the potential of our existing principles. To me, that eighth principle notices that racism and oppression in the United States is still in crisis. And as we rush to embrace 2021, it will take all of our gifts, strengths, and beliefs to actively push against and pull apart what has taken years to build. These racist structures are strong and dismantling them is uncomfortable, sometimes awkward work. When I was a child writing letters to God and a young adult with my altar and my prayers, and even now copying the Unitarian Universalist sources to heed the guidance of reason, I also copy the 99 names of Allah in my notebook. I've thought that I was in right relationship with myself, with all of you. And yet how can I continue towards spiritual wholeness and not recognize that the covenant the divine and I have is one that cannot remain passive. This is a journey we take together, all of us, all of us. This isn't like that game Red Rover where someone has to run headlong into the linked arms of another group and break in so they can join the team. It shouldn't feel that way. Our faith is a circle that can be opened and opened and opened. There is so much love and room here. What I enjoy about the poetry of Billy Collins is how it offers such complexity in his simple phrases. This is his poem, Embrace. You know the parlor trick. Wrap your arms around your body and from the back, it looks like someone is embracing you her hands grasping your shirt, her fingernails teasing your neck. From the front, it is another story. You never looked so alone. Your elbows crossed and screwy grin. You could be waiting for a tailor to fit you with a straight jacket, one that would hold you really tight. When I read that, I think, I too have been the one vying for attention. Notice what I'm doing, notice me. Turn me around right and take me into your arms. I have been the lonely one needing comfort. Reflecting further on the poem's metaphor, my thoughts are competing. We must turn around from our silly parlor trick and look away from ourselves and into the community where we want acceptance. And as a community, we shouldn't leave anyone alone in the corner in a false embrace. We have our individual relationships with the holy, and yet when we journey together towards spiritual wholeness, we have a responsibility to right where there have been wrongs, to listen when we think we have the answers, to step back and open our circle wider, even if for a moment it feels like we have lost our own place in the group. Sinkford writes, we need to rebalance the way that we value our individual lives and our lives in community. I think we know how to do this. We know how to embrace one another, 
and how to act in our love. We must trust that we do and then do it. We'll make mistakes in our love for one another and we'll stretch and challenge ourselves in our journey. There will be times that it feels much easier to just go it alone, but we won't. We just can't. And there will be conversations that you have as you reflect in your reading of Kindy's How to Be an Anti-Racism and the Eighth Principles Call to Accountability as we work to dismantle racism. There will be consideration of remaining in one's own tight embrace or opening to the needs of our community. So perhaps here is an answer to what it means to covenant. It is both the beauty and the challenge of our spiritual conversations with each other. And I hope the conversations that you have come from a place of love, for a love for one another in this congregation and a love of your own individual relationship with all that is holy. Will you pray with me? Great mystery, God of many names and of no name, sweet spirit in the throats of birds, hear this prayer. We are like the locust breaking away from what no longer fits, testing our wet wings in the new year. Lift our spirits. Let us be one and knowing who we are and what in us is true. Let us show to all a new community built in service to each other, embraced in love, and guided by the covenant we make today and each day going forward. May it be so, and amen.